Second Peter, been going through the this passage of Second Peter. We're going to start in verse number twelve. We'll read verses twelve through fifteen. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet. Okay, that word meet means appropriate. I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly... I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. We're going to be speaking on the topic growing through teachers. We're going to look at the passage here specifically about Peter, the apostle Peter. Then we're going to look at some other scriptures that just talk about what teachers do here in the church and what the requirements would be and our relationship with them, okay? Growing through teachers. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and mercy in our life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that your spirit is here today teaching and helping every single one of us. Lord, you promise that uh, that uh, that you... Um, are not a God that is afar off, Lord, that uh, you are not a God that, or a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, uh, but Lord, that, uh, that you can be touched and, with the feeling of our infirmity and that you know exactly what we're going through. And Lord, I pray that you would use this message today to minister health and peace and grace to your people. Use this to give us wisdom and discernment on what teachers we should listen to. And Father, unfortunately, sometimes we have been hurt by a teacher. And Lord, there is a temptation to just not be taught. And Lord, help us to see that that is not the path of wisdom. We love you and pray that you would open your word to us in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going through the Second Peter chapter number one. We've been going through the different virtues that we find through verses five through seven. And then he gives us a warning of what our life will look like if these virtues are absent from our life. Okay, it says in verse number nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We have to be diligent. We have to take responsibility to grow in our Christian faith. It does not happen automatically. We cannot blame God for not changing things in our life when all we do is sit at home on the sofa. Okay? He says, your life will change. You will grow if you do these things. And he says, you must be diligent in these things. Okay? And your life will be very barren. It will be very empty. You will not see afar off. You will not have a clear vision of hope for the future. 
You will even forget that you are purged from your old sins. There are people out there who are truly born again Christians, but because they stay out of church and they don't read their Bible and pray, spiritually they are barren. It is inside they're like a desert. Yes, they are saved. Yes, when they die, they'll go to heaven. But inside, they are just empty, even to the point where they've, been, they've forgotten that they were saved. They've, they're forgotten that, that, uh, that they were purged from their old sins. So he's going through and he's talking about all of these things. And then Peter comes to this portion where he begins to talk a little bit about himself. And the first thing that he reminds us is that God has called him to not be negligent in his duty to put these believers in remembrance of these things. What does that mean? That means a couple of things. It means, first of all, Peter brought stability to their faith. Now, we as human beings, we love stability. We like for things to be stable and safe. It doesn't mean we don't like adventure or we don't like change sometimes, but we grow the best under stable conditions. But life is so unpredictable and life is not stable. Things can happen, things can come into your life and it seems as if life is not a good place to grow. Because you think if life was more stable, I could grow. Or if my relationship with this other person was more stable and more predictable, then I could grow. Or if my job was more predictable, then I could grow. Sometimes we want God to be predictable. We think if God was more predictable, if God would just do what I wanted to do, then I could grow. And we can get angry at God and we can get angry at life. And we hear these things about growing in our faith and having a more stable life and we can be so confused. How does stability actually become a part of the Christian life? And Peter was reminding them. Now, of course, when he wrote this, he was alive. We understand that. He was still living. He wrote this by his own hand, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God told him what to write. He wrote it down. So when these believers received this letter, he was still living. But he's reminding them that his physical presence in this world is temporary. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But he says here in verse number 12, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent. The word negligent means to be careless. We need to be very careful when it comes to teachers that teachers are not careless, that they're not negligent. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about teachers this morning. God has called me to be a preacher. There's a difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching is declaring the truth, proclaiming the truth, where people generally just sit and they listen to the whole piece. 
right? Even in scripture, when someone was preaching, they were proclaiming. Teaching is a little bit different. Teaching can be a bit more conversational. It can be a bit more 70%. Someone is giving the lesson, okay? And then questions can be asked. Preaching is a declaration that demands a decision. That's, that is so important for the life in the life of a believer to have times of preaching where someone is declaring the truth. It is during these times the Holy Spirit really begins to shape our heart into that of Jesus Christ. When someone is preaching, it's not just an intellectual exercise where we are trying to learn what they are saying. Yes, that is true. But we are also listening for God to speak to our heart during the preaching. But when it comes to the topic of preachers, there's also that of teachers. Now remember, in the New Testament, oftentimes when it talks about preachers, it talks about the office of a prophet. And in the, in the New Testament, the office of, of a prophet is twofold. A prophet was someone who, by God's Holy Spirit, predicted the future, okay, but also we can see that a prophet in the New Testament was someone who proclaimed God's word. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about preacher. So um, we can, we're not going to study the details of that at this particular lesson. But then very specifically, he also has teachers. Now, teacher is much more broad. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But here, the, Peter is saying, I'm not going to be a careless teacher. I am going to constantly be putting these things in your remembrance. It's like, it's like our minds are not this Ziploc baggie that once we put everything in, we zip it closed and everything is fine, right? It's something where it's kind of like our minds, it's something we constantly have to be reminded of. It's almost like a, a basket that's holding sand. And when you walk with the basket, some of the sand kind of shakes out a little bit. And when we come to church and we listen to teaching, we need to hear things that we have heard before. We don't only come to hear new things that we haven't heard before. We need to be reminded of these things. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it alive. Listen, almost every week, it's a, sometimes a different day of the week, but almost every week at our house, we have tacos. Oh, I saw some smiles, laughters, giggles. Yes. Now you may potentially make different types of tacos than we make. Praise God for that. Fantastic. We usually have chicken. Sometimes we have ground beef, right? A little bit of lettuce, some cheese. Not too much cheese. Come on, calm down on the cheese, right? A little bit of cheese just for flavor and some nice, some nice salsa or maybe some hot sauce. Uh, my wife went to the uh, certain section, the taco section, right? Um, of the of the uh, of the grocery store, and she found these amazing salsas. Now it's not salsa like the chunky kind; it's kind of like the thin stuff, and like a nice little look. I like something that's got some spice and a little bit of vinegar too. 
a little bit of vinegary, a little bit of the sour, and a little bit of the spice. Now you, you think, I don't know, I can't handle the spice. Or maybe you're, maybe you're one of these heroes that just can do the spice, let it like hurts way back in the back of your throat and you start to sweat and your nose starts to run. Good for you. I'm so proud of you. You're my hero. I do like spicy stuff, but listen, when it begins to take all of my taste buds hostage, too much for me, okay? But listen, every week, tacos. I love it. It's amazing. But they're not always exactly the same, but it's kind of the same basic ingredients, isn't it? Sometimes you can say, you know what, it's all the same stuff, but instead of putting it into a taco shell, we're going to use the burrito shell, right? We're going to roll it up into a big burrito. Or, yeah, we're going to use all the same ingredients, and then we're going to put it on top of tortilla chips. So then it's kind of like a nacho, and everybody's super hungry. Pastor, stop talking. It's time to go home and get some tacos, right? And so on and so forth. Listen, we need to understand that when we come to church, that it is so important for us to hear some of the same things over and over and over and over again because the same truths bring spiritual nourishment to us and they keep us strong. God is love. Jesus loves me. God's word is true. You say, oh, I go to church and they just talk about the same things all the time. Listen, if you go to a church and they talk about something brand new every single time and they don't repeat things, that's not a good church. They're being careless. That's what he's saying. Now, it's not the exact same sermon every week or the exact same lesson, but we need to make sure that we're being reminded of these things. That is an indication of a good teacher. Notice in verse 12, once again, wherefore I will not be negligent. I'm not going to be careless to put you always in remembrance of these things. Notice it says, though ye know them, He's like, I'm bringing these up again, but you already know this, but that's okay. And then he talks about how we need to be established in, it says, the present truth. Notice in James chapter one, and I'll just read this as soon as I get there. But James chapter one gives a few verses talking about uh, hearing the word and, and doing it. It says in James one and verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He's saying, I'm bringing this up to your remembrance. You already know this, but you need to be established in the present truth, meaning you need to be settled. You need to have, listen, where does stability for the Christian come from? It comes from the word of God. It doesn't primarily come through the relationship that we have with other people. It doesn't primarily come through life remaining the same. It comes through the fact that God's word never changes. This is one thing. Listen, if we are struggling with feelings of anxiety and frustration and inside we we're craving stability, come to the church 
where someone is teaching God's word and truths are being reminded and they're putting you into remembrance and you're hearing these things and you're like, oh, thank God, at least something in my life just doesn't change. Isn't that good? God is a genius. Now, I know that sounds like a silly thing, but sometimes we think, oh, God is God. No, God is a genius because he's given us a church. He's given us his word and he's given us teachers and he knows that we crave stability. Where do we find that stability? We find it in the church, listening to teachers and preachers who preach God's word. God is the stability in our life. But that can be so ethereal. It can be so spiritual. Sometimes we, we can't see God. We can't feel God. It doesn't make sense to us. So then we come to a location where God's word is preached and taught. And yes, we learn new things and we learn new applications. But we hear things that we've heard before and we are encouraged and pushed. And we're, we're in accountability to actually put them into practice. And that brings incredible stability to our life. Ministers need to stir us up and put us into remembrance. Remember, notice here, guys, Peter is saying, I will not be careless to stir you up and put you in remembrance. His primary job is not to make people feel comfortable. I mean, you guys love lemonade. Oh, man, I love lemonade. Absolutely good. And you make a nice batch, and you put it in the fridge, right? And then a couple of hours later, the next day or two days later, when it's really nice and tangy, you know, like sweet and tangy, you know, the good stuff. You pull it out, what, and what happened? All the good stuff has kind of floated to the bottom, Right? And you either need to take a spoon and stir it, or if it's in a closed vessel, we've all made that mistake before, where we think that the lid is closed. Amen. Yeah, some giggles. Somebody help me clean this mess up. (laughs) You start to shake it, and it just goes everywhere. Right? We've got to understand, look, we are not the stable ones in this life. God is the stable one. His word is what is stable. And when we come to church, the job of the teacher and the preacher is not to just say, oh, no, you're fine. Everything is fine. It's not to it's not to make people angry either. It's not to act out in the flesh and make people angry. But listen, if I'm going to a place and I've never stirred up, I'm never challenged. That's not biblical. That's not Christianity. Notice. 2 Peter 2 and verse 1. Now, we will eventually get to chapter 2, and the whole chapter of chapter 2 is talking about false teachers. But notice what it says in chapter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. This is strong language. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Very strong words. God will judge false teachers. There are false teachers back during this time. There are false teachers here in our day and age right now. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy four and verse three. Second Timothy four. We'll start in verse one. Second Timothy four and verse one. It says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, who is in training to be a pastor. And he's telling him, preach the word of God. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? What notice in basically verse number two, he's saying, stir, stir up. Stir up the listeners. Stir up the word of God. Give them the word of God. The word of God stirs us, does it not? Doesn't it stir us up when we hear somebody preach and teach the word of God? It ought to stir us up. It, we shouldn't just sit back and listen and say, oh yeah, I do all those things. I'm pretty good at this. I think I'm, I'm going to take a little nap. Look, uh, pastor, why do you get loud? Why do you stomp around? Well, because I love it. I get excited and passionate about things that I love. But also it is my job to stir up. It's my job to stir up. Amen. But notice what it says in verse number three, guys. We cannot miss this. Oh, my word. We cannot miss verse number three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust. Now, lust does not mean sexual desire. It can. But the word lust just simply means your desire. It says, it says in verse number three, but after their own lust, they shall heap. That sounds like a lot of people. A heap. Heap to themselves. What does it say? Teachers. Having itching ears. What does that mean? What is that passage talking about? It's saying that there are two types of teachers out there. Ones who give the word of God as God said it. They don't try to modify the word of God for their own advantage. Amen. Listen, in this church, by God's grace forever, we are not going to modify the word of God so that we can get a bigger crowd. 
We're not going to modify the word of God or twist it so that we can get a bunch of money. Aren't we thankful for that? Amen. We're not going to modify the word of God for me personally or for anyone else. It is God's word. And that's why we come. We want to hear God's word. And it needs to stir us up. So we need to come with the expectation of being stirred up. Again, not unkind. We're not, we're not going to be unkind. We're, it's going to be done with a... Uh, God teaches us that it needs to be done in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. All of these speaking the truth in love. First, First Corinthians chapter number 13 says, Look, if, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, it is nothing. Right? But there are, and that's one side. There are those who crave the word of God. There are the teachers that are absolutely committed to the word of God, to study it and to know it and to know what it's saying and to to deliver it with integrity. It's okay to use illustrations. It's okay to use stories. It's okay to use humor. But listen, primarily we are here to use the word of God. Jesus used illustrations. He could perform miracles. He could heal people. He could feed and multiply bread. Why did he do all of this? To bring out the word of God in a whole new and fresh way. And to prove to everyone that he really was the son of God. But then there are those who they will modify the word of God. But notice the focus here is on the listeners. He said, there are some that will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine is established truth. There are many doctrines in the word of God. But here are just a couple. The doctrine of God. We're not going to change the doctrine of God. What it says, that's, that's who he is. The doctrine of the word of God. The doctrine of Jesus Christ. The doctrine of hell. The doctrine of heaven. The doctrine of sin. These are doctrines. These are established teachings from the word of God. And there are some out there that are willing to change the doctrine. Why? So that they can then have a bigger crowd. Why? Because the desire of that crowd, listen, is their own desire. Not the desire of God. I am coming with my desire to hear what I want to hear. And if it's something I don't want to hear, even though it's from God's word, I'm not going to listen to that. That's not faith. That's not pleasing to the Lord. And guys, let me just, let me just mention this. In a digital age... With all of the stuff that we have now digitally, I am so thankful to God that we have good teaching and preaching available to us to listen on our devices as we go about our days. We have wonderful, beautiful music to listen to. We have great teaching and preaching to listen to. We have podcasts. You can listen to a five-minute thing, a 10-minute thing, a 15. You pick a time domain, and you can find a good teacher or preacher to listen to within that much time. What a blessing. 
with, this, with, this, with, with the busy lives that we lead and with so many things that are happening. But listen, we have got to understand that there is a temptation in the digital age to only listen to things we want to listen to. And that's why God has established the local church, an in-person experience with a real live teacher and preacher, myself, my wife, others, those who come and visit and speak, is because we systematically go through the word of God. And you know what, guys? There are some times where I'm reading through and it's like, God says, okay, that's the next passage you need to preach on. And I'm like, I don't want to preach on that. I don't want to preach on that at all. I want to preach on all the happy things that everybody loves. I want to be the cotton candy kind of a preacher that everybody loves and everybody's like, yay! Happy, happy, fun, fun, laugh, laugh, laugh. But listen, God, God is not... He, he's interested in giving us all of the truth. We need all of the truth. We have to be very cautious and very careful that we don't slide into a type of Christianity where it's just like, well, it's not really what I want. Is it God's word? Is that teacher or preacher being faithful to God's word to declare and say and teach and be patient to give it as it is written? And if it is, then listen, God thinks that's what we need to hear. And that's what he's trying to teach. He's trying to say, Timothy, don't slide into one of these teachers or preachers that only gives people what they want to hear. If the Bible says it, teach it. If the Bible says it, preach it. Stir it up. Let's go back to our passage in 2 Peter. We'll look at a few passages on the topic of being a teacher. Notice he says in verse number 13, Yea, I think it meet or appropriate, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. He says that twice, okay, in verse 12 and verse number 13. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Notice he calls, he, he, call, he says, I'm in this tabernacle. What's a tabernacle? A tabernacle is a temporary structure. How many of you like to camp? Campers? Man, some of those hands are shot right up. Man, pastor, I love to camp. Okay? Uh, some of us, maybe we like to camp in a motel. You say, pastor, that's not camping. Yeah, I know. Uh, others, maybe like an RV or a camper. Okay, that's nice. AC, a tiny little kitchen. Right? Man, those tiny kitchens, Brother Kent. Oh my goodness, they're so small. I remember staying in one of these RVs one time when we were traveling and I was speaking at a church. And they said, they said, Brother Corey, you're going to stay in this RV. It was huge. It was a fifth wheel. It was gigantic. Like, I don't know how many feet it was. 30 feet, 40 feet. It was massive. Right? Double beds everywhere. You flip down this and it's a bed. You flip this down and it's another bed. And you flip down, down the kitchen table and it's another bed. Beds everywhere. Big kitchen. Everything. But the doorway to get in and out of this place was like this. You know exactly what happened. I get ready to preach. I'm studied up. Freshly shaved, I smell like my beautiful aftershave. I mean, I am ready to go and preach. <clears throat> Grab my Bible and my notes. I start marching out the door and I got scalped. Oh my word. I wasn't even paying attention. 
And I just start marching down the steps. There's a couple of steps, step, step, and then you go through the door. And step, step, and it caught me right there. The door. And it's just like, it dropped to my knees. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And you say, Pastor, we sleep in tents. That's the way, that's the way people are supposed to camp. If you don't camp in a tent, it's not real camping. Good for you. Right? <laughs> that, and some people even go to the next level and they say, you know what, we're just gonna do a hammock out in the open between two trees so we can look at the stars. If you're sleeping, how can you see the stars? That's all I gotta say. And I can't I can't sleep like this. I can't sleep like a banana. I got I gotta be stretched out straight. But here's the thing. A tent or camping is temporary. Right? It's a little uncomfortable. Even if you're staying in a hotel, unless it's like really expensive, there's a little bit of discomfort. Right? The Apostle Peter here is sitting there and saying, I'm going to stir you up by the word of God. That's the stability in our life. And I'm just going to remind you, I'm going to put off my tabernacle here, here in a bit. He's calling his body the tabernacle. We need to take care of our bodies. God has given us our bodies. We need to take care of it. The Bible says, let's take our Bibles. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6 and verse number 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There is a teaching, a doctrine. In the Old Testament, God dwelt with Mankind in the nation of Israel in the, temp, in the tabernacle at first and then in the temple. The presence of God was there. When Jesus died on the cross, you remember what happened to the veil in the temple, right? The veil in the temple that separated God's presence from the people was ripped in half from the top to the bottom. That means God did it, right? How, how, can, how can a priest from the bottom rip it from the... No, it was God that ripped it. And he said, now I will dwell with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. And when someone trusts Jesus Christ as their savior, God himself, the Holy Spirit of God, indwells our bodies. He lives inside of us. We, we, we say sometimes we're asking Jesus in our heart, but it's the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, the Spirit of Christ. So he lives with us, but our body is temporary. One day we're all going to die. And Peter is talking about that time when he is going to die. And that's why he's calling it the tabernacle. Verse 15 says, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. We're just going to take just a few minutes and we're just going to look at some of the qualifications to be a teacher. Okay. So, the Bible says in Acts 1.1, and we'll just look at a few of these. We won't look at all of the ones that I have printed out. Okay, but let's just look at Acts 1 and verse number 1. Our example of a teacher, okay, we have to understand that teachers and their bodies are temporary. God's word is what is eternal. And that's why we're so interested in what is eternal. Keep that in mind when we're talking about teachers. Teachers are temporary. 
Okay, Peter's saying, I'm going to put off my tabernacle, but I'm going to leave something with you that is eternal, which is what? The word of God. Okay, that is what we need to stake our hope on and not in a man or a woman who is our teacher. Okay, teachers need to be an example. We'll go through some of the qualifications, but primarily our hope needs to be in God's word. Acts 1 and verse 1, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Jesus was a teacher. Now notice when it describes Jesus' ministry, it was something that he was both doing and teaching. It is a primary qualification in the church to be a teacher for you first to be a doer. If you are not, if we are not doing it, we are not qualified to teach it. Jesus was qualified to teach, yes, because he knew, but first it says because he was a doer. We have to do what we know. We cannot just pack our brains full of knowledge, which is good, because we can't do it if we don't know it. But notice the emphasis is on what Jesus began both to do and teach. It says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 2. It says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This is talking about someone who is entrusted with others' goods. And a teacher is someone like this in the church. The The first qualification to be a teacher in the church is to be faithful. It's not just showing up. It's also, as we saw in Acts 1 and verse number 1, it is also showing up and doing It is a participant. It is someone who is actively participating in the church. It's someone that can be counted on, right? At a job, they wait and see, can I trust you with the keys to this business? Um, A pastor, friend of mine, told me that before he got saved, he was the manager to a pizza restaurant before he got saved and he got fired and they had cameras and the reason he got fired as the manager was because if they were really slow and he had an hour left that he was supposed to work he closed up he closed up the shop and went home and they said You're not being faithful. Now, they didn't use those words. You're not being trustworthy. We're paying you to stay open until this particular time. You're closing up an hour early. That's not what we're paying you to do. And he did it time and time and time again. And he got paid for the hours that he wasn't working. And they said, we, we, you know, you're being paid to keep it open the full time. And they got fired. Listen, when it comes to being a teacher or a preacher in the church, we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. Last verse. Hebrews 
Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Lots of verses we could look at on being a teacher. It's a whole topic. The Bible says in Proverbs 25, 19, listen to this, please. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Unfaithful people. You can't put any trust and confidence in them because it's like trying to chew with a broken tooth or it's like trying to walk with a broken foot. It's like, ah, right? So faithfulness is absolutely necessary. Okay, and the last verse for today that we'll look at is Hebrews 13 and verse number seven. It says, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation or the end of their lifestyle. God calls on us to respect those who teach us, respect those who preach God's word to us, both men and women. And it says that we, that, that have spoken unto you the word of God. And then it notice it says, whose faith follow? It's saying, give them respect and remember to obey the things that they're teaching you. But also keep in mind, they should be providing an example for you to follow. So that is, a, again, a foundational requirement to be a teacher in the church, considering the end of their conversation, the end of their lifestyle, looking at their lifestyle. This person should be just like Jesus and the fact that they both do and teach. Now, let me ask you this. Could you be qualified to be a teacher in your church? Are you doing and learning well enough to teach? We all have the responsibility to be a teacher of God's word to those in our family and to the lost that are out here. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.